This is the Happiness Incentive. Your host, Els, is an established, experienced coach, creative, and communicator with an attuned emotional compass, helping her effortlessly map and navigate her own and others' emotions. The Happiness Incentive is all about self-discovery, personal empowerment, and the creation of new eras. It is knowing that true happiness is about highs and lows, great honesty, and real vulnerability. The mission? To lift, engage, and inspire both ourselves and others. And so we're starting here. Time to tell your story and add a voice that needs to be heard. So here goes. Welcome to the Happiness Incentive. Okay, don't look now, Fenella. We're actually recording. (laughs) 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 Woohoo! So um, you guys as listeners won't know what's just happened here, but uh, we've had some rather entertaining technical (laughs) hitches this afternoon. And um, I'm delighted that my lovely guest, Fenella, is still with me. I am here. We are here, and we've been on for more than 40 seconds and nothing's cut off yet, so let's just go everything. Woohoo! So, um, Fenella, welcome to the Happiness Incentive. Thank um, you for having me. You're so welcome. It's just wonderful. You're actually my very first guest on the podcast. Ooh, I know. Yay. So, um, you're very, very honoured, um, but equally, it's a total um, pleasure and privilege to have you here. Um, so, Fenella, just to introduce you, you run a life coaching and mindfulness business um, as a coach, And you work with tired, anxious, and restless women to help them reclaim their calm and confidence so that they can love themselves fully and enjoy every inch of themselves, mind, body, and soul. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. (laughs) We met each other um, a few years ago now at a Women Who Create UK retreat, I believe, in Bristol. And um, I just remember, like walking towards you and seeing this like calm confident woman who was just that little bit different um and just really like having this moment where I was like I just need to get to know this person a little better um yeah just 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 that feeling and that aura that you had around you and um I think it's fair to say we started as like coach and client and then we became well I think even from day one actually we became really good friends And we've stayed in touch since then. And since then, I've watched you kind of grow and blossom as a person and launch your amazing business and, you know, become a, a coach and still do your powerlifting. And I just, you're just a real inspiration to me as a, as a human being. And I just, I couldn't think of anyone better that I wanted to talk with about um, mental wellness, which is, which is our topic for today. Um, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a lovely intro and really heartwarming to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been a really interesting episode in the sense that um, I have to be honest and say it's taken us a little while to get to a point where we are actually recording. Um, And I guess, I don't know, I guess the reason for that for me personally, and maybe you'd be willing to share um, in a moment, is just that mental wellness and mental health and, and, um, you know, anything to do with kind of mental like anguish I guess can be a really difficult thing to talk about and I know I've said to you just before Christmas like I really want to record this podcast but actually didn't feel kind of mentally well enough myself to kind of be in that place to do so so um I don't know I mean I'm hoping you've been looking forward to today but has there been a little bit of anxiety on your part to actually record this episode just out of interest 
Oh, very much so. I think because for me, um, mental health, mental well-being is so encompassing of so much of our experience in life um, and especially, obviously, the low parts. And with that comes a lot of pressure to feel like you either have to have something that's really serious or something which, you know, is understandably painful and I think a lot of the process of healing from things is just even though something might be further away it will still be a discomfort and I think getting myself prepared to talk in a more open way um in a kind of more in a very public way about my experience of discomfort and pain and also I spent some time going and checking in with people whose stories overlap and saying, what is your boundary with me talking about stories and things like that? Because I don't really know what's going to come up today. And I want to feel confident that whatever I say is not only what I feel comfortable saying, but also if anyone's story is within that, that they feel comfortable or confident with me speaking something to their story and experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. So would you be willing then, I guess, the best thing for us to do is for you to tell, tell us a little bit about your story like who you are as a as a human being but also maybe a little bit of your mental health journey up to this point sure um who I am as a human the, the joyous like enormity of that um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> don't worry we'll go in <laughs> so um yeah my name's Vanilla Powell many people call me FP and I have had such an interesting journey on this planet um so if I take you all the way back to the beginning of kind of my mental health journey and my experience, um, I was brought up um, by a deeply loving but quite anxious mother. And so I had a lot of anxiety as a young person. I was also very severely dyslexic. So I had to balance my struggle with anxiety and the fear of what was going on, like, in the future and in my life with this um, real significant presence of um, not being able to do what everyone else was capable of doing. So it took me to the age of, I think, 11 to read near, like above a seven-year-old's aging, age reading. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of this kind of, I was constantly being told I was stupid and incapable. And so I was constantly, and to me, all of these things really impact our mental health because believing something that isn't true about yourself can impact like how you feel and so I was really fighting alongside um as I grew up these kind of conflicting things I believed I was intelligent I believed I had all of this and I was at home thankfully being constantly affirmed that and yet when I'd go out into the world I'd have unkind teachers who wouldn't who would just drag me down so I was balancing between that and anxiety um and I was very lucky that I went into a school which taught me incredible tools, which I'll get into, um, I think later, that helped me really channel and harness um, the anxiety and the, the level of stress that I was under um, as someone who is dyslexic going through um, a very intense schooling system. Mm. Um, so I think that was kind of quite a speckled childhood with mental health and mental well-being and handling bullying and all kinds of things that, as we all know, deeply affect how we feel about ourselves and how we are seeing the world. Um, and I think I actually have more recently gone through what I can only kind of verbalize as a period of depression um, a couple of years back when I um, had a really bad breakup um, and was basically dragged into this kind of 
abyss of numb and pain. Mm. And that was definitely the deepest, darkest place I've ever been. Um, mm. And as someone who has also experienced um, abuse um, and some really not so nice things, it was interesting to see that all the other experiences in my life that were uncomfortable and that drew me down were nothing to the intensity of the depression that I experienced after my breakup. But there's something in having sat in the darkest kind of chasm of your soul that really allows you to speak into that as you get out and to know what it looks like. Um, and I feel extremely empowered and extremely kind of ferociously uh, desiring to help women claim and acknowledge that in themselves and speak to those dark places that we all have. And I think there's something about having sat there that took away the fear for me mm. of really sitting in hard, hard places. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, where I am now, um, I'm very lucky that I feel really settled in my mental health. Um, I'm a lot, I'm far more healed and together and whole. Um, and we're always whole. We just have to find the pieces that we've lost within ourselves. Mm. Um, but with that, um, I'm also very, uh, capable of experiencing and finding joy, which for me is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I hope so that was appreciate you. Yeah, I just got, wow, that, I so appreciate you sharing. I mean, we, part of this podcast for me is, is about vulnerability and, and, you know, and real honesty in that vulnerability. And um, so much of what you share, I can really relate to on a personal level as well. And, you know, far be it from me to to take you back to places that you're not confident to or, or, or wanting to go back to. But, um, you know, you you share there some some real um, dark places and some really difficult times for you. I it's really interesting when it came to recording this podcast. We've talked a little bit about being a little nervous, both of us to record it. And I think one of the biggest things for me, I popped out onto Instagram a little while ago and I said to people like, we're going to be recording this podcast um, it's going to be about mental health and mental wellness. And this podcast episode has been the most requested podcast episodes. Oh, wow. I just, I, I keep, uh, you know, friends and people I'm with and around at work are just, you know, I've, I've lost count of the amount of times that people have said to me, when are you recording that episode? Like I heard that you're all recording this episode. Like, when are you doing it? And I just, you know, I've had to say to people like we've, we've both of us, both Fanella and myself have had to go on a really um, difficult journey up until this point. And hearing you talk and mention very briefly kind of abuse as well. And, um, you know, some of the, especially post breakup that, I mean, I, I can really, really relate to that. Uh, and it, and it's interesting to me that also I went back before we recorded today and I listened to the very first episode of, of the happiness incentive that I recorded. And it was back in a very, very, very dark time for me. And I could, I could totally hear it in my voice. I can totally hear it in, in, in the tone of my voice and the energy and, um, it's, it's amazing now, both for you and I, that we've, we've come through this and we can talk in a way that, um, you know, we have confidence around what we're talking about and how we get there. You know, I want to emphasize for anyone listening, you know, need, you know, we're both coaches and in that respect, we're both, um, we've both trained as coaches, but neither of us are, are trained as therapists. So, um, you know, anything we share today is very much from a personal level and, you know, if you're, if you're suffering with any kind of mental health issue, I would always, always recommend that you, you go and see a professional, but, um, certainly I'd love to kind of dive a little bit deeper into your experience, if that's okay. Um, sure. seek to understand. So 
without wishing to dwell and without wishing to share anything you're not comfortable doing so can you take us back to um for maybe people that don't understand what mental health or mental illness feels like you know take us back to that dark place and just kind of try and describe that a little bit for us um you know what does it what does it feel like to suffer with with something like anxiety or depression sure um I guess for me, I have kind of two images that come into mind. Um, the first one was my first day of school where um, the school, the secondary school that I went to, um, we had to hand in phones at the beginning of the day and then they were taken away so that we were not distracted by them during school. And on my first day of school, I turned up late. And so I didn't hand in my phone and I didn't have anyone to say. And I, I kid you not, I spent the entire day thinking that there were scanners in my school that saw that could scan and see that I had um, my phone in my bag and that I was going to be told off I was going to be stood up I was going to be shamed I was going to have all of this kind of thing and I remember eating lunch like midway through the day being like someone is going to come and tell me off for not handing in my phone I have done bad I hadn't handed in a phone like a really simplistic thing yeah. for an 11 year old to have not done no one's going to tell me off I was late and no no adult informed me but I just had this constant dread and fear mm-hmm. and for me on the bus I had been this constant like horrible white cold shiver about handing in my phone yeah and so for me anxiety is very much this pure discomfort that sits within me that I am so deeply worried about the future so deeply uncomfortable with the possibility that I can't control it. And that's my experience of anxiety, this worry, this, I know something's going to go wrong and I have to prepare for it. Yeah. Yeah. And how does it feel in your, in your body as well? So, so, you know, we can kind of vocalize it, but, but again, for, for those of those people that maybe aren't familiar or maybe are familiar, like how does it, how does it manifest itself in your body? Yeah. So like I said, that kind of white, um, shiver for me it's like cold sweats it's a cold shivering throughout my body um just just yeah just shaking and I can even when you speak about it I can feel the acknowledgement of my body trying to say yeah this feeling and it's just like I'm sitting here as well and I can feel it in my stomach (laughs) yeah and so that that for me is my anxiety that's how it expresses itself and I'm very lucky that I've obviously done a lot of work to claim that and to comfort it and to support it so it really is not as present in my life um the really dark depression though the easiest way I could describe it because I fluctuated between two now my depression just to be clear um was a period of time um I am not a person who suffers from depression I just had it for um about a year and a half um and within that year and a half I was going between um numbing through mm-hmm. all, all the means um and uh pain really and so the numbing was like I had encapsulated myself in glass I was rigid and I could not really see outside it was like walking through mist constantly and it meant that all of my focus was just in this numb presence of because I would either scroll it away I would drink it away I would do anything I could really to to be separate from the pain because as soon as I took that glass casing off and as soon as I allowed myself to look at how I felt I was 
just overtaken by what I considered the well, which was this pit within me of so much sadness and pain that if I tried to verbalize it, I would literally be mouth moving, nothing coming out, tears rolling down because it would just open this this well of pain that would surround and fill my entire body. Um, and that that was something that was so traumatic to go into. Um, and so what I would do is I would allow myself to have baths, really hot baths, almost like a self-detoxification when I was alone in my apartment. And I would just let myself sit into it and open that well and just cry and scream and ache and just let myself experience it in those nuggets of time because the rest of the time I would have to case myself up to block and to stop myself being in that place because I couldn't function if I allowed that well to open. And so it took me really slowly opening and just letting little bits and little bits out until finally I was comfortable opening it up in public or with friends or with people. Um, But really the numbing was this shell that just completely locked me into a disabling. I was barely coherent, but it worked enough to be able to function. What I think is so powerful about you and and about, um, you know, how you describe, I mean, I've never heard anybody describe depression and anxiety as, as in such raw detail, like you just did. Like I, I can completely uh, align with how, how you feel and how you've just described that because I've, I've experienced it myself, but the way that you describe that, I, I hope is going to be really helpful for people that maybe haven't experienced this because it, it's so hard to put into words exactly what you feel and how you feel when you're suffering, most especially with depression. Mm. You know, anxiety for me is something that I think more people can maybe relate to. And, and yeah. you know, the feeling of anxiousness in, in your body is, is probably something I, I would say that, you know, the majority of us have experienced in some sense, even if we don't classify it as an anxiety but you know we've, we've all had those feelings of like nerve or dread or like cold sweats or mm. you know that kind of you know fearfulness the way I, I describe it is I feel like I'm I've just got like in a massive adrenaline rush and I feel like I need to run like I feel like mm. I need to run away but I'm standing somewhere completely normal I definitely don't need to run and that feeling of panic is is definitely the feeling that comes over me when when I have anxiety Depression is really interesting that you should say. Um, I can I can relate to the glass part. And you you said earlier that um, it felt like walking through fog. Mm. I certainly think for me that when and again I I guess it's blessed in some ways. Like yourself, um, I tend to or have suffered. I think twice in my life that I can relate to. Maybe there were times in my you know adolescence which I perhaps didn't categorize as depression. Um, but maybe looking back now, I can, I can certainly think actually that's interesting. I wonder if that's what I was, I was experiencing, but for me, they've been off post-traumatic to after an event. So it's always something pretty horrendous has happened and haven't, um, I've dealt with it in the moment by just surviving. And people always say to me when things happen to me, God, you're so strong. But actually what happens to me is it tends to be after an event 
that I get that that feeling um, that you've described, and and I finally managed to get um, have a, a sensible conversation with um, with a, a doctor a little while ago. I'm not suggesting doctors don't have sensible conversations, but <laughs> it can be a little bit rare to find one that's that's that you could have you can have an actual you know really good conversation with. And and he said to me, you know, one of the reasons that people get this after an event that has been very difficult for them is because in order to get you through an event that's very traumatic or very stressful, your body fills you full of adrenaline. Um, and it very much keeps you going. Um, and you feel almost like, I guess it feels for me, like it's like an out of body experience where Mm. I feel like I'm kind of looking down on me managing a situation, which to anybody else would be kind of non impossible to navigate. And then it's only after that experience that I feel this kind of complete exhaustion. For me, it's like complete fatigue, can't move, everything aches. The emotions like you describe are very, are just raw. Everything feels raw, everything, any touch feels like it hurts, any, um, any kind of interaction with another human being hurts, being by myself hurts, like I don't want to be by myself, but I crave solitude. And it feels to me like the world, I can only see the world in gray. There's no color, everything becomes muted. And, and that for me, I, you know, I can still relate to, I can relate to how you've experienced it and, and it, and it manifests in me and in the ways I've just described. So, um, yeah, really, really, really tough. Do so two two things for me. I mean, the first question for me is um, how I guess how difficult did you find it to tell people around you or or share with people around you what you were experiencing? I mean, excessively hard. And this is someone <laughs> who like talks for a living, um, or like I think because as someone, you know, we're, we're trained coaches, like we are really good at listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are, we yeah. are, we the are pros at the listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and sometimes I know, especially during my really low periods, I was, I would sit into this kind of, I can listen well, at least I can listen well. So I'd sit back and I'd ask lots of questions to other people and almost use it as a time to, allow myself to to almost put back that numb space on because then I would be able to ask questions and find out about how everyone else was and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, but actually ha- having to try and take you know the the armor that the numb is and take it off in front of someone I found extremely hard because I had to first of all go through the, the classic stages of acceptance Mm-hmm. you know because it took a long time to realize how bad I really was because yeah. I was in so much of the fog that my head just set, kept saying just get through it yeah just yeah. take a couple more steps and then we'll be out and and then we can tell people that we're not feeling so good or we, we've just come through something but what I started to realize was no th- this is a lot longer <laughs> this is going to take a lot longer and I think for me Sadly, it was when I got to a stage when I was getting, I was having very severe suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. was when I really realized, okay, I'm used to dealing with hardship and my process is to deal with it Mm -hmm. and then to take it to someone who's professional or to take it to someone who loves me or cares for me and say, I've been dealing with this. Mm -hmm. But I realized in that moment um, for me, it was um, a really bad, bad night 
where I was literally just staring at a phone, scrolling away because my brain and my body wanted to look at the ledge mm. and plan something. Mm. It, it just, it, everything wanted to do that because I just wanted to pause on life. Like I just wanted to tap out. Yeah. And that was what it was saying would do that. And, and the, the start part of my brain was saying, you keep your eyes on the phone. <laughs> and that was when I realized this is unhealthy to an extent that I don't know if I can control. Mm. Because as someone who is dyslexic and has fought to be capable of achieving things by myself, because you always need help as a dyslexic. Someone needs to check your work. Someone needs to look over everything. Someone needs to read for you. Everything is about control. So in that moment, I recognized I need help mm-hmm. and I need to be able to communicate this. And so that's when I started making a plan to ask for help. Yeah. And that I am, I knowingly am not great at that. And all the people around me know I'm not great at that. So I have kind of clear dialogue with them at being able to say, I don't know how to say it, but I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to talk about it but it's not good. Mm-hmm. And at least in that moment, they know, okay, Fenella needs attention and she needs to be like feeling safe. Mm. And that's how I created that. But how about you? How have you found it? Yes, um, this is the question I've kind of been dreading you asking me. <laughs> so when we first talked about recording this episode, um, I think I shared with you like how bad things had got. Thank yeah. you not anymore but um I the way it would manifest itself for me was I would put on a very brave face um specifically at work and I would go to work and and people would say how are you and I'd I remember just talking but realizing I was very much hiding behind a mask and I think the people that cared for me really kind of knew something wasn't right but I I just wasn't letting anybody in like I, I literally wasn't letting anybody close um, and I had just such a strong feeling that, you know, I need to do this myself. I need to get myself out of this. You've created this situation. Um, you know, you you can't show that you're weak. You can't show that you're struggling. You know, people will judge you. You may even lose your job. You know, you, um, you, know, you, you just need to keep going. You need to keep going. Um, you know, you're a life coach, for God's sake. You can't show people that, you know, you're, you're struggling and you're, you're really down and you're really um, not in a good place. And then what would happen is I'd, I'd just about muster the energy to, to go and go to work and, um, and go about my day job. Um, and then I would, I would get home. And at the time, I didn't have a car, so I would catch the train home. And I would, I would, I would cry pretty much from the minute I left work. So the minute that uh, I was surrounded by people that didn't know me, I would just, there would just be tears. And I, and I wouldn't be able to stop the tears. They would just be like... I remember vividly walking down the streets. Um, I mean, and then this was like every night and the tears would start just as I left work. And then I would, I would be trying to like hold back the sobs as I was anywhere public. And I remember having to like stop myself and like find a quiet corner on the way to the train station to just like literally like howl and then like pull myself together and like keep walking to the train station. Cause I was like, I need to get home and I need to be in my house and then I need to fall apart. And I vividly remember one night getting off the train and it was really dark. Well, was it dark? No, I think actually we were talking kind of just before sunset. And um, I remember just walking and thinking, 
Els, this isn't good. Like, you, you, like, where are you going? And just thinking, like, I just need to be by the water. I just need to be by the water. And I vividly remember walking across the train line um, and across the road, and I was just, I was just a mess. Like, I was totally sobbing. And I remember, I remember the, t- <laughs> I remember the time. It's funny the things to remember. But like, I had mascara in my eyes because I'd been crying so hard, and of course, I, I'd run out of tissues. So I was literally like sobbing. Um, like just tears everywhere, mascara everywhere, the mascara was in my eyes, my eyes were stinging, I couldn't really see where I was going and I was just walking, 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 walking. And I remember texting a friend and um, he, I'd fallen apart on him a little earlier in the day, like we'd, I'd texted him before getting to work and I was like, I'm really, really struggling, can we meet? And he'd met me just before we, I went into work and he'd sat with me for a bit and he talked and again, I couldn't quite get my words out but I was I I'd, I'd, I think I'd alluded to him how bad things had gotten, how low I was. And um, and I, it was very interesting that I, that evening as I walked from the station and I was like just a mess, he texted me and he was like, are you okay? And I, I just couldn't reply. I just, and I walked to um, a bridge um, that was overlooking some water and it was on a road. So I wasn't like in the middle of nowhere, but it was, I, I remember climbing over the railings and sitting with my feet dangling over the edge and just thinking, okay, you have a choice. You have a choice and you can jump. Um, and it was like a railing that went through like a grid of water. So um, I wouldn't have had a very great, I mean, it wouldn't have been good if I'd jumped in, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, and I remember sitting there and just losing, losing my mind, like just sobbing, complete, complete and utter, like on my hands and knees, like howling. Mm-hmm. And, and then just feeling like a real, like, you have reached the bottom of this. The only way is now up. And at that moment, that same friend texted me and he was like, I am really worried about you. Are you okay? Mm. And I remember just snapping back out of it and going, well, hearing actually a voice that was like, this is not how it ends for you. Like, this is not the end for you. This is like rock bottom. You're on your knees. You understand that this is where you've got to. This is how serious it's now got to. You need to get some help. You need to accept help. My biggest problem through all of my mental illness has been I haven't wanted to show weakness and I haven't wanted people to see how vulnerable I truly am. And if there's any lesson that's come out of this, it's it's been to allow myself to let people in. And so it sounds really strange, you know, at that moment in time, my God, I was in a black place. And you know, people say, you know, well, how close were you to, to jumping? And I was like, you know, really, honestly, it's still a really hard thing for me to even think about, let alone talk about. And, um, you know, it's very difficult when you know that like family and friends are going to listen to this and they're like, my God, I didn't know that. But equally, I didn't jump and you didn't do anything stupid either. And, and, I, and it sounds, you know, I wouldn't say it's stupid. You know, people are driven to this, you know, there's people that, that take their own lives and, and, People can say that it's a cowardly way out. Quite honestly, I I was just, I felt worthless at that point. I felt like I was a burden to my friends and my family. And actually that, you know, why on earth would I want to stay on the planet? Why on earth would I would I want to, to put this burden on them? And that it would be better if I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, that was where I got to. And, and, and now I guess, you know, I ask myself the question and I, I'll, I'll ask you the same in a minute, you know, what, what has it taught me? Like, what have I learned from this experience? And quite honestly, it's made me really value my life. It's made me really be grateful, hugely, hugely grateful. Gratitude is such a huge practice of mine. And, um, you know, I know we're going to talk in a minute about like what helped us get ourselves to where we are now. But 
you know, it's made me know now and be able to relate to others that have really gone through something similar. And it's very interesting to me that since this happened to me, the amount of other people that I know or am friends with or I'm close to or love who have been through something similar and have come to me to say, help me, like, how do I, how do I get myself to a place where I'm not in this state anymore? Um, what advice would you give? How can I support others who are going through this? You know, people, most especially, like, I know you and I have worked with women, but actually there's a hugely high percentage, a worryingly large percentage of young men who really struggle with suicidal thoughts and mental illness. And I think, you know, maybe one of these days we need to have one one of these guys on here. But, you know, I think they have an even harder time because I don't think men necessarily um, chat about stuff like we as women do. Um, and the amount of young men that have come to me and gone, like, I now recognize that you, you've suffered with this and I want, I want to ask for your help. Like, I want to understand how I can get myself through this has been unreal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my... <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> that that presence of you in that moment and that like universal timing of your friend. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you sit with that after and you're just so aware of how that, you know, that tiny change yeah. affected so much. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, let's move on to having told people what you were going through. Tell me about how or what you used to get to the other side. Because it definitely feels for me that there is, it, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds, it feels to me like I've literally walked over a rainbow. And I, you oh, know. Really? Yeah, like I've been in the darkest, darkest, darkest place and then I've, I've just seen the lights and I've walked over a bridge. And I always see it as like I've walked through a rainbow and I'm now in the rainbow and coming out the other side. Wow, that's a lovely way. Mine is more like I crawled out of the deepest, <laughs> darkest pain kind of feeling. Like my, my nails and my fingers and my hands were raw yeah. as hell when I got out. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, yeah, there was I'm that. Like, like to even get to the bottom <laughs> of the rainbow, I have to be honest, like there are scars. Quite yeah. scars, like broken wrist and cut open hand scars. Mm. Like I can relate. But how did you, how, how did you crawl? How did you how crawl? Did I, <laughs> I think... It's interesting, and I really, I feel so happy to hear that you had someone in that moment text you, and you had that affirmation of the value of yourself. Yeah. Um, I think his mind started also in that darkest moment of kind of like having that, that real want to just jump and just pause mm. and just really, and just, just having my head, like the, the part of me that, that cared has been like, no, just scroll, please just scroll. Please just look at the picture. And in that moment, in that like well of just, just suffering really, mm-hmm. that was when actually for me it was, I guess my gut and my internal voice mm-hmm. that just started speaking. And it was really, really lovely things that I had, had over the period of time of being really unwell but also specifically in that moment did not believe and it was saying you know you are lovable 
You're saying, I love you. Please, I love you. You are, you know, all these, you know, it was, it was quite flattering, I'm not going to lie, um, the words it was saying. But in that moment, I kind of, I took myself off to my bedroom and I literally stripped myself down into my birthday suit and was looking at myself. And in, inside was just this kind of affirmation reel saying like, you're so worth this. You are lovable. And that for me was the pinnacle of kind of the, the shift. That, and, it, and I think people think that when you're in a really dark place, you need to have like the most mammoth step mm. that makes it better. But actually, once that moment happened, when, when I was confronted with basically my soul saying, no. Yeah. Like there's value in your life here. Um, that was when I really started to be like, okay, reaching out. So the things that I did to really help myself, first of all, was lean into and really dig into that voice. Because for me, some of the most powerful things that we need in our life are kind internal voices. Oh. And I know that like we kind of live in a world where it's all like mindset, mindset and mindset we think is like really structured and rigid and like good solid stuff. I think sometimes that's the image that gets built when we talk about mindset. But to me, I had built a really strong, kind voice. And by kind voice, I mean a voice that that voice that saved me, really a voice that supported me, that encouraged me, that took care of me and that soothed me. And what happened was I remembered that that voice is almost the most important voice. And this is the kind of collection of thoughts that comes in that I have actually curated over the years um, through my tools that I was given at school and just through my, my kind of, I guess, my natural mental processing. Yeah. Because I was very thankful and grateful that at home, because I was basically failing so badly at school, my parents created this kind of concept, which was, unless Fenella's done something wrong, like she has disobeyed us, no matter what she brings home, we're going to be positive and encouraging. Mm. And so my childhood was coming to a home where obviously I was disciplined as a child. However, I was encouraged by my parents, even when I was failing and even when I was struggling. You know, it was it was positive affirmations and kind, um, kind conversations about where I was failing, and so that was the underpinning for me of this this thought process that I have. So for me, really embedding and building and strengthening um, the kind voice was so powerful because it meant every time I dipped into the darkness, every time I cut my hand trying to climb, every time I was building those calluses mm. of of strength you know mental resilience it's not comfortable to build them it's not comfortable to go through the discomfort but that's where we build the calluses that support us and give kind of um a protective layer as we go through hard things and so for me that was really powerful now obviously I leaned on mindfulness and meditation because when I was 11 when I went to my secondary school I was taught uh, mindfulness meditation which we practiced twice a day for 20 minutes and then when I was 14 um, I was 
um, inducted into Transcendental. And so I did that twice a day. And really, I had this kind of reservoir of fortitude that was built from all my time me um, meditating and practicing mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So using that tool of being so aware of what I was saying to myself, how I was engaging with myself mentally, mm -hmm. because that is such a battle when we're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. It's everything that's going on inside. And so having that presence of being able to sit and observe and say, what what's being said right now are these thoughts kinds are they supporting me are they being um practical and in the moment or is it just blowing things into a really big mess that mm -hmm. I don't need to to do mm -hmm. um so those for me were really powerful but also um for me because I was really struggling with getting out of bed and having normal sleep patterns because yeah. of my my experience getting myself into a structured sleep pattern and creating a routine within my day that really was more productive yeah. was so yeah. beneficial because that sleep meant that I was encouraging the growth and health of my brain. Yeah. And that those really, I would say for me, were the biggest things. Yeah. I think that's um, so, so helpful for people. I think um, it's funny what you should say. Um, there's two things that really that really come for me there. So one is... Um, I read some, and I know I should probably have the, the links to this, but um, you can look it up online. But like one of the biggest um, things that's suggested for uh, depression, depression in particular, is actually to just get yourself into that routine. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a, there's a study that was done that says like you can reduce depression, depressive symptoms by up to 70% by simply waking up at the same time every morning. Yeah. I think I read the same article. Yeah, I think exactly. And I just, you know, it, I think a lot of people are very quick to jump to medication. And I, I wouldn't ever say don't, most especially, you know, it's been something I've really fought and I've really been quite, um, I found it very difficult to accept um, help in terms of medication. And I, I didn't choose to go on medication. I actually um, use a kind of herbal remedy for, for low mood, which has been really helpful for me. But um, I think there's a lot that you can do to really help with low mood and, and depression. And, and definitely I would agree with you that sort of um, that routine has been huge for me, a morning routine, like how I choose to start my day. And most especially um, people are very negative about social media, actually. So I'm, I'll maybe try and come back to that in a second. But like most especially to not just reach my phone and start scrolling when I wake up in the morning. Yeah huge and actually think about you know is it that it's possible to do some a small amount of stretching or some yoga or if you're not going to work that day I tend to go for a walk or for a run um and oh, we all love watching your walk <laughs> yeah I'm very very blessed with where I live now in fact it was a it was a real um it was a very intentional thing for me to actually come and and, and live here and live by the water because I just felt like I really needed that healing space. And I, I know that often when I wake up in the morning is still the hardest time. Like I'll wake up and I'll be quite bleak in some thoughts. And, you know, it might be that I've been really missing somebody and I've not heard from them. And so that's, that's made me feel down again or, you know, um, so I think morning routine is massive. Um, evening routine is huge for me as well. So I now have a journal um, that a really lovely friend bought me and he um, he found this beautiful journal and he sent it to me for my birthday um, last year. And um, the, the only thing I write in that particular diary are three points every night of gratitude. Mm. So even if I've had a really terrible day and there's like nothing, I can't think of a single positive thing, there will be something. There will be a, I drank a hot cup of tea. 
you know, I was able to sit and drink a hot cup of tea or I sat in the sunshine for 10 minutes or um, I enjoyed my journey home today. And then on other days, there's really great stuff. So there's, you know, I went to the spa for the day or I um, went for a really nice run or I made an amazing dinner or I caught up with a friend or I heard from so-and-so, you know. So that um, start to my day. And, um, you know, I know people sort of joke about the whole yoga and meditation thing, but, you know, it is huge. And then the end to my day has been massive as well, um, most especially the gratitude, the gratitude journal. I can relate as well to the meditation piece and... Um, I, I can't necessarily say that I had that, that same background where there was a lot of positivity used and a lot of affirmation. I've had to go on a real journey to, um, be the positive voice in my own head. Um, and actually to a certain extent, be the positive voice aimed at me. Um, what do you uh, mean by aimed at me? Well, I, I have been very heavily influenced by external influences. I always have been my self-worth has always been measured on how others see me rather than how I see myself. And I am the first person to jump down my own throat and say, you know, you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not pretty enough. And mean that quite genuinely, not not be searching for compliments, but just not, I haven't had that loving voice in my head. Um, Really until very, very recently when I started a bit of a journey um, with Gabby Bernstein's um, Make Cause Miracles. And it's been a 40 day process. And I think I'm day 13 or 14 now where you really start to tackle things from a, from a a point of view of love rather than fear. Mm. And um, that you really look at the ego and you start to listen to your inner guide, but it's the, it's the kind, quiet voice that's there in the background, but it gets drowned out or certainly has been drowned out by the, in the past for me by any kind of negative or external comment. You know, somebody could say five nice things to me and I'll hear the one negative thing that they've said. Um, And certainly through boarding school, there were times when I experienced some really horrendous, horrendous bullying. And I look back now and I think, you know, I was always the one that was combating that bullying amongst others, but I, I also suffered with it quite strongly myself. And I think I... I had a very strong character in myself that kind of pulled me through a lot of that stuff. Mm. But what it also did was create a very negative and critical voice in my own head of like, come on, fight harder, you know, move faster, be stronger about that. And so I've had to really, really unpick that through uh, meditation, through journaling, and really, really challenge myself to come at things from a positive and a positive affirmation point rather than a, a negative and that self-worth I'm I'm still not done but I I'm I'm getting there because uh, I think the number one thing I've begun to realize is if you can't be at peace with yourself by yourself you've got to start there because mm. really you could be anywhere else yeah you could be anywhere else in the world you could be doing anything else in the world um, but loneliness and fear and unhappiness and angst and worry if you can be in a place where you learn to be content with yourself wherever you are and whatever you're doing you've kind of you've kind of won 90 percent of the battle yeah oh I hear that I think it's interesting because I come from almost the opposite side mm, of the do. spectrum yeah you do because I like from a very young age I think because my abuse experiences were a lot when I was younger and young teen. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you have, you have 
the kind of the moment of divide, I guess is the way to describe it, where either it was your fault or how dare they do that. Yeah. And I, as a young person, decided, no, actually, I really didn't deserve that. Or I really, that should not have happened. And I was really clear on these things. And so I built this resistance of, no, I am deserving of better. And so my internal dialogue is really affirmative of me. Mm. And I guess the kind voice I built as a muscle Mm. to just to be and and I think that's the process that you're talking about is yeah. building the muscle of the kind voice yeah um, and thankfully like my muscle was pretty strong because yeah. through my bullying through my experience it was I don't know why you're doing this yeah but I know I deserve better yeah and so that was my dialogue and so it kind of and I think that also affects how I deal with my current life and my clients and you know moving forward how I've built who I am because I know I'm worth it and I think that's quite unique in our world for for a young woman to grow into a belief system about herself that is affirmative yeah and um yeah it is but I, I I know so many people who have experienced the same as you where you know it the the choice wasn't kind of presented and so the logical aggression voice just and like you should do better just builds and that's what strengthens and that's what builds muscle and it's yeah it's a really hard process to build from so big props to you for doing work well thank you for that but I have to take you back to um you know saying that you know to hear you talk about um your abuse and come out of that um by telling yourself and believing that you are worth it and you are better than what's happened, happening and happened to you. I mean, that's incredibly, incredibly inspiring. And, you know, I just, there will be so many people out there that just don't, you know, will, will, will take that and find strength in that because it would be, it would have been so easy for you to come out of that and feel very differently and have very different beliefs about yourself. Um, and it, for me, it shows such an incredible strength of character that that's how you've come out of that journey. And I know, and you know, you like we've we've talked in the past about what it's taken for you to get to that point. Mm. Um, but you know, also total inspiration. Um, so thank you for that. I guess um, if you so one of the when I popped this out to Instagram a few weeks ago, um, and I. And I kind of said to um, a few of my followers, I was like, you know, what would you really love us to to give top tips and tricks for? Yeah. Um, and and the number one thing was about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people saying, you know, that they suffer with anxiety, and it just it it means that they can't get their they can't they don't they can't get their voice out. You know, they can't say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. What are some things like if you wake up on a day and you're feeling really anxious? What are some things that you would suggest that somebody tries? You know, just there in that moment to try and kind of flick themselves out and into a different sort of mindset and headspace mm. I think speaking the truth is to everyone who asks that question such a hard thing even if you are experienced in dealing with these things and so for me I think the first thing that I really affirm to do is not to fight it yeah. like you have to get rid of it yeah for me when anxiety comes forward it's about So I like the example of when something comes knocking at your door, 
the door of you, your house, your being. You welcome it in. You sit it down. You give it a cup of tea. You say, hello, anxiety. What are you here for? I love that. And you allow it to speak what it needs to say. And then that means that, first of all, it's probably going to get up and say, oh, thanks. It was lovely to talk and walk its way gently out and actually leave. And you're not trapping it in. You're not saying, oh, you cannot go. You say, oh, okay, thanks for coming. I appreciate your information. And you let it go when it's ready to go. But also by looking it in the face, by seeing it, by saying, I acknowledge that today, this is what is in my house. It means that first of all, it's not trying to get noticed. Sure. It's not trying to like jiggle you like, no, look at me, I'm here, I'm here, pay attention. It's sitting with you, you know, it's sat next to you at the table and you say, okay, today anxiety is here. And then also, and then you say, okay, what are the tools? And then you bring in your tools. You don't just go straight into, I'm going to breathe you away and ignore you and you're going to be gone. You say, anxiety's here. And now for me, I move into my breathing exercises because I find breath is so powerful and so undervalued. You know, Mm -hmm. taking really deep breaths, bringing myself really into the moment and moving forward in that day with the kindness and I, when I say kindness, I'm not saying, oh, poor Fenella, poor Fenella with her anxiety at the kitchen table. <laughs> what I mean is by saying, okay, today might be a bit harder. What can I do to support myself this day? And then I think about the ways in which I can provide the day and like affect the day in a structural way. So maybe it's like, okay, if I eat a bit more food, then I'll have a little bit more energy. And if I don't have coffee till this point, you know, I structure it so that I really support Fenella with anxiety. And it could be that as I'm going across my day and, you know, I've, I've made sure that I walk to work so I get some fresh air and I, I, you know, I do things in a slightly different way. Maybe anxiety's gone. Yeah, it was nice to see you. Okay, bye. Yeah. And it's, it's walked out the door and I haven't created a confined place and tried to trap it and, and throw it out. So it's not trying to like bang the door down. It's just, it's usually just walks out and goes, cheers, thanks for the cup of tea. I love that. I absolutely love that. My God, that's so powerful. I, you know, the, the wow. Okay, that's, okay. That's literally, <laughs> that's so, so helpful. I think the piece around feeling your, I feeling your effing feelings is an expression mm. I've heard and I use a, a lot of times with people that, are with me but um okay I love that so um so feeling the feelings and sitting almost kind of inviting the anxiety in and just kind of saying okay what do you need today in order to um operate the day with anxiety um okay that makes a lot of sense for me the movement that you mentioned and getting out is really important but one of the biggest things for me is about pivoting Mm -hmm. and it's something I've just heard about recently but it makes a lot of sense for me so once you've acknowledged where you're at and I, you know, if I don't feel comfortable sitting in that place. I definitely need to spend a bit more time maybe acknowledging my anxiety and, and being a bit gentler and kinder on myself, as you've just described. But for me, the pivoting is really important because whatever I'm doing, it feels like I'm stuck in that energy. So if I've woken up and I'm in a, re- in a real place of anxiety, like that's the energy I'm in. It's really important for me to pivot into a different energy. Mm. So even though it's tough and even though sometimes you just want to stay and wallow in bed, Is it that, you know, I can reach my phone and just put on a podcast 
And the podcast is of somebody that I really, so for example, Jenna Kutcher, Kutcher is somebody that I listen to a lot and um, Oprah Winfrey, Super Soul Sunday conversation. Oh, for. Praise. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So I've got a few things on my phone that I know, like if there's, if the most I can do is to reach for my phone and press a button, have something on there that's going to pivot my energy into something better. Um, there's an amazing um, gospel choir that I've started listening to um, that was actually recommended to me. And I'm just like literally looking at this now. It's called ACM Gospel Choir. And again, some of their music is just so uplifting. It, you can't help but pivot into a new energy and a, and a place where you feel uplifted. And if I can get myself up at that point, um, is it that if it's a beautiful day, I just put on a coat and I literally walk out the door, I leave everything exactly where it is, I take my keys and I go. At my lowest point back in September, I made myself gently but firmly go for a walk every single day and smile or nod at every person I came across. Wow. Now, that was so tough because a lot of my um, anxiety um, like manifests around social isolation, social anxiety. So some days I just feel like if I'm feeling low, you won't hear from me. I won't text. I won't reply to messages. My family find this absolutely infuriating. And, and maybe after listening to this, they'll kind of understand why. But I genuinely get to a place where I cannot even muster the energy to reply to a text message. It, even, it starts to get me anxious to even reply. And so actually by making myself go out of the house, realize that the world is still there and the world is still turning. And actually that whole movement and air piece, you know, you know that, that, that it, it lifts the serotonin levels in your body again. And, and that really helps. Um, so yeah, any other bits that you would want to share based on what I've said, just around tips and tricks. And then I've got some quick fire questions for you to answer just, um, just, <laughs> just for us to end um, this amazing episode today. Yeah, well, I would definitely affirm the getting out. Like, I have a joke with my friends that I'm, that I'm a bit of a human dog. Like, I have to take myself on walks. Um, because <laughs> I, I, I get very pent up in um, confined, especially if I'm in one place for the day. Um, because I, um, very often, if I'm working with clients or if I'm doing big things, I'll stay at home for the whole day. And if I have two days at home in a row, I need to get out and get stretch my legs and wander. Um, which again is very powerful for mental health. Um, I mean, what I would say as well is that if anyone is into, because obviously that's a physical activity, and as we know, physical activity is really useful for mental health. It's obviously the difference is that if you have a severe mental health issue, that is an entirely separate thing that is sitting in your house and it, it needs its own time, its own support, its own uh, process to work through. Yeah. Um, but if you are processing through um, experiences that come in and come out and more in a flowing motion, like our, just our emotions as a kind of whole, yes. then for me, uh, as you said at the beginning, I am a power lifter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I, I lift weights in a, in a power lifting way. <laughs> <laughs> I so, love this about you. <laughs> Literally. Super inspiring. I tell people this, oh, and she's a power lifter. <laughs> I love it I very often get people um, and if anyone listening is going oh the person who throws the weight above the head no I'm not that person <laughs> I'm way lazier than those guys those are Olympic lifters and they are impeccably strong as powerlifters are um, I'm a more of a baby form of a powerlifter um, and I just 
find that and that was one of the things that really helped me throughout my process of healing was I would get myself to the gym because to me the gym that I go to is phenomenal Um, my gym in Bristol they have a kind of community that really just I turn up and it's like checking in with my people Mm. and getting to see them so I had that for me that also helped with the connection with that isolation it broke it you know four times a week I would see people I know and I just have a chat but also I got to move my body in a way that made me feel strong and even if I had a bad day my body would feel like I'd worked it and I would feel proud of myself for having got to the gym and moved the weight and Mm -hmm. I think it doesn't matter what your sport is even if it's you know walking a dog or if you like to do an exercise class whatever you enjoy doing that feels good in your body like if you want to pole dance you pole dance if you want to like (laughs) swiftly walk your dog around a park or like run around with your dog it's not about the word sport or exercise it's about what feels good in your body and moving your body like you did when you did your walk getting out that for me was a very big important thing to keep my mental health and to continuously as I do now continuously keep me in um good tick physically and mentally yeah yeah it's so interesting what you say about the gym and lifting so like thanks to you I've started lifting yes. um, <laughs> I um I am by no means at your uh, amazing levels of uh powerlifting but I it's really interesting something's definitely just clicked for me as you've said that around um being strong physically and and just really connecting that with like if you're mentally not feeling strong that day at least I'm feeling physically strong mm. um, or vice versa and, and actually it's just totally clicked for me as to probably why I love lifting um is because um you know that feeling of like you know of, of actually achieving something especially when you're weightlifting has been has been massive for me so no I love that you shared that I was so hoping you would talk about powerlifting I was like I don't really know how to ask her how to mention it I know <laughs> So, um, so amazing. So as you know, um, Happiness Incentive podcast um, is all around kind of self-discovery, personal empowerment, creation of new eras, highs and lows, honesty and real vulnerability. And I always set out um, with this podcast to kind of lift, engage and inspire. So I'm going to try to end every podcast with every special guest with just a few questions that kind of talk about those like topics that I'm so passionate about. So Fenella. Here are your your five (laughs) questions. I'm ready. Question number one. What makes you feel inspired? What makes me feel inspired? Either watching or hearing people's stories um, and people's uh, beautiful moments, whether it's watching an athlete uh, do, you know, the most incredible thing, which you know that they've done so much training leading up to it. For me, it's also, you know, those, those, uh, whether it's small moments in private or big moments, um, watching TED Talks, you know, I get so inspired by the words of other people. I love that. You get inspired by the words of other people. Okay, question number two. What makes you feel empowered? Definitely my lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and lifting alongside other strong women, um, which I have many of, thankfully, in my group. And also other women just taking it up and just working with what their body brings and taking it taking their bodies to that level of working hard. Um, I think also for me, 
the moments I feel empowered are the moments that I realize that I've sat with my discomfort yeah. and let it and, and, ex, and experienced it. Because every time I do that, I build a greater ability to sit in that discomfort just a little bit more. Yeah. And yes. that for me is growth in the most powerful way I can feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful answer. Okay. Question number three, what does it mean to you to be vulnerable? To be vulnerable is an act of pure courage yeah. and also an act of pure raw opening. Yeah. Um, the most cor courageous and vulnerable I've ever been, I think, was to tell someone that I didn't know what their response would be and I was pretty sure it wouldn't be the same, that mm -hmm. I loved them. Yeah, and I really relate to that. Yeah, I think it we forget that it can be small and big. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Wow, thanks for sharing that bit. That's, yeah, I can feel that <laughs> right in me. Question number four, what is your lesson to live by? My lesson to live by. I had a phrase that I would tell myself over and over again when I was in my darkest moments and as I healed through them. And if I could try and remember the kind of clear thing, it was that I'm more courageous than I see, I'm kinder than I know, and I'm stronger than I believe. Oh, wow. And I think I believe that of every single person I know, um, that I believe sometimes we need someone to see it in ourselves, in, in, in us. And also sometimes the most powerful, courageous thing we can do is to believe that even when we don't see any evidence of it. I love that. Can you try and say that one more time? Because that was just a magical moment. Sure. Um, <laughs> now this is the moment of, okay, read <laughs> and get it right. You can do this. Um, I am more courageous than I see, more kind than I know, and more and stronger than I perceive, or something within that line. <laughs> Because it. it is it, it, all of those three things. You're kinder, stronger, and more courageous than in this moment you might see. I love it. And one final question for me. Um, well, it's been such an honor, but um, one final question is, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram mm -hmm. at Fenella Powell. Um, I'm always wandering around over there. Mm -hmm. um, I have a website, fenellapowell.com. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm on there less because I just love Instagram. Oh, um, that. And yeah, come over and have a chat with me. Oh, Vanella, it's been such an honor, such an honor. Um, I, will, uh, I will make sure I, I stop this recording in a sec and then, and then we will catch up after. But I just, I, some of the stuff that we've shared today, I think, and that you managed to get me to talk about, even when I was so, so scared to do so, um, I, I know will really help people out there that are listening. And I just want to say thank you. You are, you are doing some unbelievable work in the world. And the women that are lucky enough to work with you are so, so blessed. When you read through your testimonials online, it's, it's very, very, very clear that you are changing lives for the better um, over in your little part of the universe. And um, I truly, truly could not be more honored to have you as a friend 
and a fellow coach. I just think, you know, when you talk like that, um, you can really understand the power of of coaches out there in the world and and the power of people that believe that they can change things for the better. And um, I just want to end today by just saying thank you so much. And um, it's been such, such an honor to have you on as my very first guest ever. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And also thank you for taking this, you know, valiant step to standing in vulnerability and truth and creating a platform for people like me to come and it's the work that I do that is channeled and supported and encouraged by you um and so I'm incredibly blessed to have you in my life and to have worked with you um and to have a space like this to heal within that you create so thank you you're so welcome you're so welcome thank you Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to The Happiness Incentive. Our aim is to lift, engage and inspire both ourselves and others. And it's a pleasure to record these episodes for you. You can find out more about your host, Els, over on Instagram at The Happiness Incentive or check the show notes for further contact details. If you've loved what you've heard, leaving her a review on iTunes would absolutely make her day and likely brighten yours. See you next time. And thanks once again for listening to The Happiness Incentive.